Welcome to the pulse that moves the triangle world today. This one-size-fits-all broadcast is a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, helpful tips, what's trending, events, and boundless other adventures. It's a conversation pit of comedians, politicians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Inspreffer. Hi, friends. Did you know a lot of famous people had or have epilepsy, including Vincent Van Gogh, Prince, Theodore Roosevelt, Neil Young, Alexander the Great, Charles Dickens, Judge John Roberts, and many more? Yet they led full and successful lives as painters, musical artists, authors, judges, leaders, and even a president. I mention these folks as hope on the horizon for those who have, or know of someone who has, epilepsy. Here to explore epilepsy and that hope is Brandy Furman, Chief Outcomes Officer for the Epilepsy Foundation. Welcome, Brandy. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you. So let's start out with some basics. What is epilepsy? Sure. So epilepsy is the underlying tendency of the brain to produce seizures. And seizures are really just sudden, abnormal bursts of electrical energy that can disrupt brain function. Um, Epilepsy is one of the most common serious brain disorders worldwide, and it affects women and men um, of all ages, all races, all ethnic groups. How prevalent is it in the United States? Mm. Epilepsy actually can affect anyone. Um, the CDC estimates that right now there are about 3.4 million people in the United States who live with active epilepsy. Um, each year, there are about 150,000 new cases of epilepsy diagnosed. And that translates to, you know, a lot of people. Over a lifetime, one in 10 people will have a seizure and one in 26 will end up becoming diagnosed with epilepsy. What are the factors that trigger seizures? There can be uh, many triggers for seizures. So for someone who has epilepsy, triggers can be missed medication. They can be a lack of sleep. Uh, They can be uh, different uh, levels of uh, vitamins in your body. And they can be... uh, seizures can come in patterns or clusters. And for some people, those patterns are recognizable, uh, sort of multi-DN cycles of seizures. And so one of the strategies is to try to understand what are things that trigger seizures for you if you have epilepsy, and then obviously to avoid those triggers. Okay. So we want this to be kind of a, a positive uh, informational little podcast here. Um I know if you've had, if you have epilepsy or you know of someone who has it, you're pretty well versed in the, in the frequently asked questions. But on a positive note, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's on the horizon for epilepsy, uh, with breakthrough therapies. Like I know you did something with a shark tank competition and pipeline tracker. So let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So we do have a lot of excitement around uh, the new therapies that are coming forward to treat uh, people with epilepsy. And I should say that that epilepsy isn't just one thing. Um, It's actually better called the epilepsies 
because there are multiple forms of epilepsy. And it's possible that those different forms may require different approaches to treatment. And so that's one of the things that we're so excited about is that we're getting a much better understanding of these different forms of epilepsy and developing more precise treatments. And um, some of the things we're excited about, like you mentioned, we, we just saw coming through our uh, Shark Tank competition. This is a, a, a opportunity for entrepreneurs and people with new ideas for uh, helping to treat epilepsy or diagnose epilepsy or help support people in the epilepsy community um, have a chance to compete for some prize money. And we hold this Shark, shark Tank competition uh, each year. And the most recent one we held at our uh, 2020 Epilepsy Pipeline Conference. The uh, awards that we were able to make at that pipeline conference were things that uh, should help people with epilepsy live better lives. And we're excited about their uh, opportunity to come to the market and be available to people. But there are so many other kinds of new therapies on the horizon. Um, I mentioned earlier this idea that sometimes seizures can come in patterns. And so the idea of being able to forecast when a seizure might impact someone is very exciting. Um, You know, one of the hardest parts about living with epilepsy is that there's so much uncertainty. You're not sure when the next seizure is going to happen. Will you be safe uh, during the seizure, after the seizure? All of those uncertainties. And so the ability to have a way to forecast when you're at higher risk um, is something that we're very excited for. And the foundation has actually invested in a project called My Seizure Gauge to try to help um, with that forecasting ability. We hope that that may help uh, lead to a day when people are able to understand today I'm at higher risk. I'm going to have other state, you know, safety measures. Um, I'm going to have a rescue medication with me. I'm going to stay near someone. And also identify days when they're at much lower risk, when it should be uh, much safer to do to do their normal uh, daily activities. So that seizure forecasting is one avenue uh, that we think is is very positive. Another positive ad- uh, avenue I just mentioned was this idea of rescue therapies. Um, in the past, there have been very few options to stop a seizure uh, after it started outside of the hospital setting. But very recently, there have been some rescue therapies that have been approved by the FDA that can be used to try to stop a seizure once it's started and prevent another seizure from from happening, these seizure clusters that we've talked about. So that offers, um, I think, some some great chance for uh, families and individuals to help uh, be able to react better to the the seizures that they may be having. Another avenue is for um, wearables and devices being used as seizure treatments. Um, So for a long time, epilepsy has been treated with multiple different kinds of medications that work well for many people, um, although not all. There have been surgical options. There have been even dietary options. Uh, Some people respond to the medical ketogenic diet. Um, But certainly one of the newest and exciting ways to treat epilepsy is the use of devices. So these can be implantable devices that can sense uh, a seizure based on brain activity and and provide 
a response, a stimulation response, to turn that seizure activity off. So all of these things, um, I think, are very exciting future future developments for people with epilepsy. It does sound very exciting. And you mentioned something um, I actually was going to ask you about. Maybe we could just talk about it a little further. Uh, let me see. Where's my notes here? It was in regard to what you're talking about with the uh, ketogenic diet. Um, I just, I just recently picked up a report from CBS of a Dr. Crossoff with Johns Hopkins School of Medicine creating this uh, a specific ketogenic diet for the epilepsy seizures, high fat, low carb, um, and. It turned out it was very successful for one little girl who has now been seizure-free for 220 days. Absolutely, and we love stories like that. Um, it can be just life-changing when you find the right treatment therapy for your epilepsy, your type of epilepsy. And uh, Dr. Kossoff at, at Hopkins is a great example of someone who has really committed to exploring um, how useful a treatment like the ketogenic diet therapy can be for people with all different sorts of, of epilepsies. So that's a great example, and um, we're we're happy to help support the idea that more people should take a look at whether medical ketogenic diet could be helpful in their tre- treatment strategy as well. So where would people go to find out about that? Like, is that just is are we talking about the ketogenic diet in? Um, you know, just broad terms, or is it specific for epilepsy? And where would somebody go to find out how to uh, incorporate that diet? Sure, yeah. So this is not your, um, you know, everyday uh, low-carb diet. It is a specific diet uh, for epilepsy treatment. And the best way to find out about it, you can certainly go to our website, epilepsy.com, and look in our treatment section and, and learn about the diet. There are also other nonprofit organizations like the Charlie Foundation, which uh, specialize in the ketogenic diet and educating families about the diet. The place to receive the diet is through an epilepsy center. So epilepsy centers are places where they have specialized expertise in treating epilepsy and often will have um, an expanded range of treatment options available. So uh, in addition to medications, these are centers that can offer surgery, can offer device implantation, can offer the ketogenic diet. So the epilepsy center uh, is, a, is a good place to go to look for um, the, uh, the option to discuss whether ketogenic diet would be a good choice for your epilepsy. Okay, that's good to know. So so let's go back here a little bit. What is the foundation doing to help improve outcomes for people with epilepsy? Oh, thank you for that question, because that's really why we're here. Um, our purpose is to make sure that everything we're doing is leading towards better outcomes and better quality of life for every person living with one of the epilepsies. And so some of the things that we're doing are uh, making sure that we're advocating on behalf of uh, policies that allow people to access health care. Um, having high-quality treatment for epilepsy is incredibly important for good outcomes and high quality of life. We also um, offer education programs both for people with epilepsy and their families to learn more about the type of epilepsy they have and what should 
what kinds of questions should they be asking in order to try to find the best care options for them. Um, we also offer uh, support and community services. We have uh, peer support groups. We offer um, behavioral health programs in some cases to help individuals who may deal with um, some some uh, depression, some anxiety, in addition to their uh, epilepsy or their seizures. And those programs can help improve quality of life as well. And then finally, as we talked about earlier, um, we offer research programs. We try to help drive research and, and accelerate the pace at which new therapies are coming to market and are available to people with epilepsy. And what about this epilepsy learning healthcare system? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. The epilepsy learning healthcare system is a, a multi-stakeholder network where we are working together with healthcare providers, with quality improvement experts, with patients and families, and with community services uh, providers in order to put all of the necessary pieces together in one place to make sure that we are helping people live at their highest quality of life. It's really a new model for delivering health care that integrates medical care with uh, community services support, so things like behavioral health, um, and really is a way to identify where is our care really working well, and we need to make sure that that gets disseminated to every person with epilepsy, and where are their gaps? Where are their um, issues that are not being addressed that, that are really places of struggle for patients and families so that we can start to begin to address those as well? So we're doing this learning healthcare system right now with 13 different epilepsy centers across the country. And you can find more information about the Epilepsy Learning Healthcare System, or ELIS, as we call it, um, on the epilepsy.com website. You can even get involved. Um, one of the core values of ELIS is that the work is done together with patients and their care partners. And so we have uh, patient and family partners as part of the team at every one of these epilepsy centers and in the network overall so that we are always hearing the, the voice of the patient, the voice of the, the patient and family partners' priorities for better care and uh, methods that will work to improve outcomes for them. Fabulous. Now, another good resource is the Foundation's Seizure Recognition and First Aid Certification Training. Let, let's talk about that, and uh, I have a couple questions about it, but first just give us an overview. Sure, yeah, I would love to do that. So the Foundation has, for many years, had a partnership with the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in um, educating people about epilepsy, about seizures, and how to help someone who's having a seizure. And for the first time this year, we are beginning to offer a certification course in seizure recognition and first aid. And the reason to do this is because it is important that people with epilepsy, people who have seizures, live in a safe environment. They have someone near them, whether it's their family or whether it's a stranger who's gone through this training who will know how to help if a seizure happens to them. 
And so we are offering this uh, online training. It takes about 60 to 90 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. But it really teaches the, the three simple steps to help someone having a seizure. Stay safe side. So you learn how to recognize different kinds of seizures and how to help when you see someone having having a seizure. And how does that differ from the Red Cross programs? Yeah, so Red Cross has wonderful programs on uh, first aid. Our program goes into more detail and depth in recognizing different types of seizures. Just like epilepsy, uh, there can be many different types of seizures. And so the program will help you recognize uh, when someone may be having one of these different types of seizures and then also how to respond. So stay with the person. Start timing the seizure. Stay calm. Check for a medical ID if the person may have one. Keep them safe. Move away any potentially harmful objects. Um, if they're having a convulsion or they're not awake, try to turn them on their side. This helps keep their airway clear, which can be critically important. Um, we never, never put anything in the mouth. I know that's an old uh, wives' tale, yeah. but that is important. That's a lot of people jump to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people Absolutely. jump to that from the the Absolutely. old days, I guess. Um, so and, and so, I I do hope people were listening to that information because even if you again don't know anybody with it, you could run into this situation. You could be at a school or a store or something and see someone having, you know, a seizure. And this gives you a a, a way to know how to handle it. And the certification program is open again to everyone, not just people that uh, this affects their lives, but anyone can take this certification program. And I think it's important to remember, stay safe side, the the three S's there. You know, it's, it's, I don't know why, but these things work for people. You know, it's like the three W's with COVID, you know, now we've got, <laughs> you know, because I guess what I think it is, is like in an emergency situation, emergency situation, it's like people, you know, you you get a little nerved, you know, you're, you, you're, you're in the middle of a stress response. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to think straight in the middle of a stress response. But when you have those simple steps, they stay side. You can remember that and call on that and then act. And I don't know if you mentioned, uh, the, the calling 911 though, at a certain point when should people do that? So seizures can be emergencies. Um, if someone has epilepsy and you know that they have epilepsy and what you're seeing is their typical seizure, um, unless the seizure lasts more than five minutes, it, we don't consider that a seizure emergency because we, we know what it is. We know that the person is experiencing their typical seizure. However, if seizures don't stop on their own by five minutes, the likelihood that they will stop on their own continues to go down. And so that becomes a seizure emergency. That's the time to call 911 and make sure that medical assistance is is arriving. Now, the other time that you would want to immediately call for medical help is if you don't know this person, if you don't know if it is a medical emer- uh, uh, a person with epilepsy, 
and uh, you don't know if it's their first seizure or not. Um, that would be an appropriate time to to call nine one one as well. Um, so we try to. It's a little uh, tricky, but we try to emphasize that if a seizure lasts longer than five minutes, that is a medical emergency. Call nine one one. If you don't know whether it's the first seizure or not, call nine one one. If a seizure happens while the person is in water, for example, call nine one one. Those are seizure emergencies. And uh, it is important to get medical help on the scene. Well, thanks, Brandy, for all these insights and promise on the horizon. If folks want to get more info, where should they go? We have a wonderful website at epilepsy.com that has a wealth of information. Um, It has the uh, registration link for you to sign up to take seizure first aid certification. Um, We actually are offering a number of classes uh, for certification in November, and we would love to get at least 2,020 more people certified uh, to to celebrate 2020. We need something to celebrate in 2020. Sure, for so sure. So we have classes coming up, yeah, November 10th, November 17th, November 21st, and the 25th at uh, different times so that you can get seizure first aid certified. Um, but again, I encourage anyone to go to epilepsy.com, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on YouTube, and most recently on Discord. So we're, we're trying to reach out and be available to everyone who needs, needs us. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you today. I would like to close with a quote from former Atlanta Falcons running back, Jason Snelling, who has epilepsy. He says, you know, there's a big fear factor about having seizures in public of maybe having one in front of other people. And I like to tell people not to worry so much about that. Epilepsy can be managed and you can go on and do whatever you want to do. I was able to fight my fears and overcome a lot of things. Having epilepsy has actually built my character. Now it's time for our nonprofit spotlight, which we usually have at this time, but being how the Epilepsy Foundation is a 501c3, we'll let that stand and just give a shout out for the American Epilepsy Society, one of the oldest neurological professional organizations in this country. The society seeks to promote communications, scientific investigations, and exchange of clinical information about epilepsy. So you can check them out too. And their site is aesnet.org. That's AES as an American Epilepsy Society, net.org. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. Listen to Triangle 411 on any podcast platform like Google, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple, etc., to hear stories about U.S. Women's World Soccer champ Jessica McDonald, James Beard finalist Chef Chidi Kumar, tips for small business marketing, and more. And please be sure to subscribe and like us. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 be compassionate.